Welcome to Conversations from the Edge of Consciousness. I'm your host, Christine Madeira. For me, and possibly for you, the inner world of consciousness has always been much more real and way more fun than the so-called real material world. Growing up, I thought I was alone in this, but I'm not. There are a lot of us, and far too many have no one to talk to who shares this experience. I've been lucky to cultivate a community of friends who love to talk about the energies, ideas, and vibrations that are pushing the edges of our own consciousness, as well as our collective consciousness. In Conversations from the Edge, we share our conversations with you. Welcome to Conversations from the Edge. This is your host, Christine Madera, and I am here with Kelly Hatfield. And Kelly, why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, this little thumbnail sketch, and we're going to hit a third rail topic today, so stay tuned. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, my name's Kelly Atfield, and I do ancestral healing. I also do genealogy work, the research piece of it, and, and I can do genealogy in combination with the ancestral healing. And then I do ancestral trips for myself and for others, where I can either plan them for you or complete ceremonies um, on site. So I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun doing it. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to jump into our third rail, our third rail topic, which is religion and how that mm -hmm. relates to our ancestral patterning and stories. And so I'm just going to go ahead and ask you, because you, you were coming at this topic with um, some, some personal history that, that was um, just very poignant for you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what, you, you know, what this is for you? Well, I was kicked out of church when I was 18 uh, because they didn't like that I was gay. I always like to word it that way as opposed to saying because I was gay. Mm -hmm. um, and I lost friendships. I was um, head of a Methodist church youth group, the president. And so I thought I had a pretty solid standing there. I had mm -hmm. joined without my family and was um, a member of that church. I, I had joined on my own, even without my parents, two, two years prior. Mm -hmm. So this was like def a definite commitment on my end. Church was my life. Um, wow. So it was, it was quite a shock to my system to lose friendships as well as my spiritual foundation, really. Um, so Absolutely. I had to reevaluate everything that happened and everything I believed in, rather. So, and because we haven't really talked about this topic, you and I, very much, but what is it, so you had joined the, the church and the youth group independent of your parents and most people who come into Correct. who are brought up in religion and, and continue that are, are there because that was part of their parental story so what made you seek that out in the first place my parents we did go to a church we had gone to a different church and i liked mm -hmm. it fine but this youth group was actually active where my other okay. youth group had not been active and so i that's why i went to this one and my parents were in between churches by this time and um, were not wanting to get away from a Lutheran church that, that they were, had been members of. And I was open to, okay, what works for me? So in, in that way, I had the support of my parents to, okay. to do what I needed to do. Okay. And so then what happened when you, 
when you you know when you got kicked out and you were questioning all of this what what was your what was your process what what was this like for you um it it felt my my go to is anger <laughs> so mm-hmm. um instead of like really feeling the hurt and the shame i just jumped right to the anger um mm-hmm. to protect myself for about sure. two decades um, but during that time, um, I did look at, okay, if not the Methodist church, then what church? And then I looked mm-hmm. at other churches and I'm like, well, if now I don't trust, since I can no longer trust the people I was surrounded by in this Methodist church that, that mm-hmm. I was in, then who do I trust? And if, if you know, are, are these people now? legit like and not just the people but what they're saying and so it made me reevaluate everything um and from there i just realized well i don't really believe these things anymore Mm -hmm. Um, and some of them i do like here's this handful of things that i like and and here's this handful that doesn't serve me at all so i kind of just piece by piece over the years figured out what it is i do align with and um, that went in various directions and I looked at all kinds of religions and their belief systems and in the end decided that organized religion is not for me Um, but I do like fellowship I like being you know finding your tribe as they say Mm -hmm. I like that Um, but I also like just being with me i think i think it made me look at okay if you listen to all of this and now you no longer feel that way then what do you want for your life what do you feel you know what's authentic to you mm-hmm. um and that took a while that took a minute um to, <laughs> to get down to what what is it for me what is any of it for me yeah, it is a process, and that's not—it's not an unusual process as, as for a lot of us as we get older, you know, to to look at what we were brought up believing and see where it served and where it didn't serve, and to begin to make different choices. Sometimes moving back into it with a different mindset, and sometimes moving away from it. So I think mm-hmm. it's a question that um, ideally, I mean, I think everybody should question that, not because it's inherently good or bad or whatever, but because, you know, when you're, when you take on um, belief systems wholesale without really looking at how they serve or, you know, how they serve you or how they disempower you or, you know, what they really are for you and how they really vibe for, for your authenticity, your inner being like that to me is, is just, is a part of becoming, um, you know, fully adult is to really own mm-hmm. what it is that you believe and why you believe it versus just taking it on and, and holding on to it because that's what your family or your, your ancestors um, had expected of you. Right. And you have, so you also have a Cherokee background. And, um, and so you've looked at religion also from that perspective of historical and having, um, you know, of being forcibly converted for lack of a better term um, throughout the genealogy. And I think that's, um, if you go back far enough, I think that's probably a story that's common to most people um, where one thing surplants, surpants something else or supplants something else. I can't get that word right. 
But um, for yeah. something like the Cherokee, that is even more dramatic and more recent than what a lot of other ancestral experiences would be. So what, what have you explored in that realm? Um, yes, I, I think as far as um, any kind of, I mean, colonization in general, that it, it takes away from so many things in regards to people's culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but religion and, and actual spiritual life, that to me seems the most devastating. Um, and even now, that's, I think a lot of indigenous people are trying to get back to their roots in ways that um, maybe it wasn't as passed down as they would have liked mm-hmm. it to be for, for, lots of, um, for lots of people. And, and I think that's the struggle is getting back to that. How do you get back something that may have been lost forever? And I just think that's, that's devastating that it happened at all. Um, for me personally, I've done my best to educate myself on my own ancestors Mm-hmm. Uh, within my within my family line, and I've gone to some of their sacred sites, and I've gone to where a few of them either were buried or lived, and I've honored them in that way, and sat with them, and I talk to them all the time, um, and I try to to ask, yeah, ask for their their courage to come through me in, in those, in the situations where, because certainly being kicked out of church and because they didn't like that I'm gay, that I get triggered quite often. We'll say (laughs) that that comes up a lot still. Yeah. Um, So it hasn't been something that I've been, Oh, I'll never think about this again. Um, It's very alive in our culture right now. Oh, it's very alive. Yes. And so I do, I do call on my Cherokee ancestors, um, as well as some others, um, to say, like, this is, this is hard for me, and I really need your support, um, because it doesn't, it doesn't, so, some days I'm great with it, and other days it feels like I, I need a lot of extra support with it, because um, it, can, it can still be painful. And now I'm at least looking at the pain. You know, I was angry for so long, and now I'm like, okay, there was shame, there is, you know, embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I was literally embarrassed. Um, you know, I lost friends because they didn't know what to say to me. You know, yeah. so it's embarrassing for them. It's embarrassing for me. There's nobody knows what to say. So we just ignore the topic. So it was never discussed again with anybody oh I knew. Um, wow. So it's just, uh, with the exception of, I will say with the exception of two people out of like the 40. Well, so I'm was, glad you had at least two. But it yeah, sounds like yeah. your your experience was kind of like, I mean, it's not an exact correlation, but it's it's a sort of a modern day correlation of of the experience of of the you know indigenous people, the Cherokees, of um, kind of the the colonization of an idea making who you are unacceptable, and that you know when you you bring in a religion and a colonizing idea um, to to a place, the first thing it does is it makes whatever is indigenous to that, the, the real authenticity and the connection with the earth and the connection, the, the way that people relate to one another, it, it just makes it wrong because all of a sudden here's this new idea. The new idea is right. And so anything that's not in alignment with this new idea must be wrong. And that's, I mean, I see that right now in this, this, um, this, uh, I don't want to use the word war within religion, but there's this, you know, churches are dividing, you know, there's the conservative and the, 
the progressive versions of the same church, some of the Methodists and different people are, are dividing and mm -hmm. splitting over social issues um, because in, in some ways, I, I think it's not a bad thing because so much of the time, well, it depends. Sometimes religion is, is that, that thing that moves society forward in positive ways, like the abolition of slavery and, and some of those sorts of things. But there were also religious factions at the time that were very pro-slavery. And so, you know, you've got the, the movement forward of, of one side of, of human rights, and then you've got this, you know, this thing that wants to sh shut it down. And it's always this back and forth about which is going to be the dominant expression. And um, right now, you know, there's a fight for the dominant expression um, within, within Christian church anyway. Um, so it's interesting mm -hmm. to watch, but your experience was really, you know, you're in this place and it was, this was the dominant thought and you no longer fit in or had a place. And so you were um, either had to conform or leave and good mm -hmm. for you for, for actually saying that oh, this is who I am, I'm leaving or, yeah. you know, getting kicked out and not changing. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I do think um, with certainly with the Cherokee and and other indigenous folks that it's, um, you know, they had a lot less cho choice certainly yeah. than me, um, and that it you know overtook their entire lives. Colonization did, but but uh, yeah, it was it's it's similar in that, and and I also have examples of other um, ancestors because I've done my family research. Mm -hmm. And besides the Cherokee, I also have um, a, I think it was fifth great grandparent um, that got kicked out of a Baptist church, Catawba Baptist Church in Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was in Boston, Virginia. And, but the new church, because of course she didn't have telephones and <laughs> mail was slow, <laughs> um, he had moved. <laughs> To North Carolina, and then uh -huh. with his wife, and then to Tennessee, and joined a church in uh, actually nearby Cock County, Tennessee. And he, they then six months after he joined, got a letter saying, "Yeah, don't accept him in your church. Uh, he's oh been gosh. kicked out of ours." And so, without question, just looking at this letter, they said, "Oh, well, we got some church from Virginia telling us not to accept you, so see ya." And they kicked oh him out of church. So that was sometime in the uh, early 1800s um, that I have an ancestor who I know got kicked out of church also. And Lord knows for what. I don't, they, they weren't clear. Oh, it could have been a very valid reason, but judging from the other, <laughs> judging from the other church logs, um, if you were just seen walking down the street and maybe you had a drink um, wow. or had been coming from a bar or someplace they didn't appreciate, uh, in the in the town, they just kicked you out for that. So who knows? Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly a measure of control. Like, like you know, if you absolutely as a, as a control force. So um, probably a right. lot of freedom well, being kicked out. Maybe, maybe. But if no other church around, you know, accepted you, and when what if he was just kicked out, and really his wife's like, hey, I want to go to church. Right. You know, what? Yeah. Why can't I get a church? And so I think there's a lot of, probably a lot of pieces to it. And then going back even further, my fourth, no, 13th great-grandfather was Dr. Roland Taylor. Mm -hmm. And in England, he was burned at the stake. 
Oh my gosh. He felt, yeah. So <laughs> he felt that he was a martyr in the 1500s and he felt that it was okay if priests wanted to get married. Um, because at that time, Queen Mary was, was in reign. And uh-huh. of course, it was very Catholic. And uh-huh. so he had more Protestant ideas. And that was the whole time period when people were starting to break away from the Catholic Church. So mm-hmm. he, he thought, uh, yeah, I'm not too thrilled with how you think about things. And so I thought that was interesting that that many years ago, it was over something kind of sexual. Um, I mean, mar- <laughs> marrying or being in relationship with um, with your wife when Catholic Church still has issue with that. Well, you so. know, and this is just an aside here, but I found this interesting. I, I saw it in a story the other day that um, the call to celibacy or whatever that is in the Catholic Church for priests did not actually mean that they couldn't have sex. It meant that they couldn't get married. And I thought, well, that just seems, you know, the <laughs> a contradiction but um it, it was it was mm-hmm. the the problem was the marriage was the the marriage and the kids and the distribution of of land and all that kind of i mean it was all about property and money anyway it wasn't about yeah about so many things of, it wasn't about not having sex anyway it was about how yeah. things about how do you the problem of how do you provide for your children when you can't give them an inheritance because you're you're um with the church so yeah but also that they got burnt at the stake at the time for something like that i mean yeah. now you get tweeted against but it's not quite so bad right 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 well and oh, his yeah. um his wife's uncle which would be my 14th great uncle was also burned at the stake and he wrote a version oh of the bible actually he wrote a version of the bible that is still around. It's not, you know, popular like we we think of the King uh-huh. James, but um, <laughs> but he did write a version of the Bible. It's uh, the Tyndall Bible. His last name's Tyndall. Oh, interesting. Oh. Have you have do you have a yeah. copy of it? Have you ever seen it? I do not. I do not. But I did. It was so funny because this is how ancestry works too. It's so amazing. Mm-hmm. The second I learned about it, within that same week, I go into the Brevard Transylvania County Library. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and there's a huge display in the middle of the library with his name right there and no talks way. all about the Bible. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> but that happens all the time to me whenever I oh discover something about mine or, or my clients' families and all of a sudden it's popping up everywhere. It's just so, wow. so amazing. Well, you've got quite a family lineage of getting kicked out of church or burned. I mean, luckily not I burned do. at the stake for you. But as, so for you then, this is something, and, and, you know, things like this kind of come through the DNA that can come through our family histories. There's a lot of different ways this kind of stuff moves through and we perpetuate, you know, the, these same kind of cycles again and again in, in different ways. And luckily no longer burning at the stake. But um, it's interesting that that has been such a long family history for you yes it definitely has and it's it's you know like like I said you you discover something and then the other pieces fall into place so it's so weird to have been kicked out and then over the last two decades find out all of this um it's just a you know it's interesting and it's it is there's a sense of pride and a sense of you know (laughs) like sadness of course because you don't want it to be um hard for people um, but there is a sense of, 
well, these people that came before me tried to do their own thing. And even one of my Cherokee ancestors, um, most of the Cherokee, many of the Cherokee um, kind of went along. Uh, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say went along, but the Trail of Tears was pretty much mandated that, you know. Yeah. So even before then, though, I have ancestors that were peacemakers, uh, literally um, the the chiefs of peace, mm-hmm. and that they tried to, um, you know, they, they're the ones that signed the treaties with the American government and, and tried to do all the things they thought they could in a peaceful way. And then I also have... Um, their descendant, my seventh great grandfather, who was a chief of war mm-hmm. and who was like, I don't think so. I don't believe them. And this isn't good. And who kind of rebelled against, against uh, working with the Americans. So it's, you know, it's, I call on all of that, you know, because <laughs> I feel like it's such a, here's the peace, here's the working with people and here's the screw you. Uh, yeah. uh, this my life, my people, my land, and yeah. So I just I don't know. I feel that way with with all of the religious stuff as well. Well, and I think in everybody's family history, if you go back far enough, you're going to find examples. Um, hopefully, not of people being burned at the stake, but of having whatever your personal beliefs were um, being supplanted by somebody else. And and the thing with religious uh, beliefs is that it's not just about the belief in a higher power. Religious beliefs come with an entire social structure, uh, whether it's indigenous religious beliefs or Christian or Jewish or Muslim or any other religious belief. It's not just about, you know, you and your higher power. It is about the whole social structure around um, the core of that belief. So it's, you know, it's when you get kicked out of something, you don't just get kicked out of you get kicked out of a social structure okay kicked out of necessarily your relationship with your higher power um yeah so i think if everybody goes back far enough that's part of their family's story but the the commonality Mm -hmm. to me for you know if you go back far enough is is all indigenous religions have some sort of tie to the earth as mm-hmm. a profound sense of connection and through that sense of connection with the earth connection with with water with one another with cycles of of um feast and famine and growing and dying and seasons and all of these different things and and so for people who are looking to reconnect with whatever you know that indigenous um experience was for them having some experience of going back to um to the earth and and recreating an ex- a, a relationship with the earth now which is really lacking in our society you know we we have a relationship with a grocery store and not a relationship with you know growing food and mm-hmm. um, and everything that goes along with that we're so separated from the earth but to if you want to really find your way back to that in some way, some form to, to come back to the earth and, and ask the earth to help teach you um, what's, what is true for you, which sounds a little yeah. woo-woo-ish, but I've been finding that very helpful. Oh yeah. No, nature's the biggest healer for me. Um, my own body and then also nature. I just, every time I step out the door, even, I don't even have to be in the woods totally. The second I go out the door, I'm like, ah, this feels good. <laughs> Me too. And I've got this, this big tree outside of my window. 
and I'll sometimes I'll, I'll put on my Spotify and I'll dance in my office, but I'll dance to the tree. Mm-hmm. Like I'll dance for the tree. And somehow I feel like the tree's happy when I dance it. And I finally realized there's a tree behind that tree, but I can't see it. And I have to really move to see it. So I'll dance for the tree and the tree that's hiding behind the tree, which is a metaphor in there somewhere that I haven't quite figured out. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have um, any kind of uh, a clearing or something we can do to begin to move these energies out of... um, the DNA or however that they're coming through uh, our, our individual ancestries so that we can begin to um, have our own experience with truth or however that, that works out versus um, having to take on somebody else's version of truth or being trapped in a social system of, um, of, a, of a religious thought in order to be able to have a, a family. Um, yes, I, I have a little exercise, um, okay. and uh, yeah, I'll be happy to do it. All right, let's jump in. All right. Well, if everyone, if it's safe to do so, please close your eyes and take three deep breaths. And we're basically going to open ourselves up to what could be possible if we did not have any kind of religious blocks that were unwanted standing in our way. So if you'll imagine a huge boulder in front of you, and we're going to remove that boulder. Because behind that boulder, we're anxious to see what's out there. So for some people, it may be easiest just to use some dynamite and move it the heck out of there. For some people, you're the all-powerful and you just tap it with your hand and it goes flying. So any kind of way that you would like to move this boulder, if you'll go ahead and do that now. Take another deep breath. And on the other side of this boulder is a long, dark tunnel. So we're going to go ahead and walk down this tunnel. It's totally black, pitch black. And just kind of see in your body what you're feeling, what emotions come up. You're leaving behind the thoughts you had as a child about religion the things society has said about religion. And you're making your own way. And if that includes religion, how does it look for you? 
And if it doesn't, how does that look for you? And you're just walking in this tunnel. When you get to the end of the tunnel, you'll see that it starts to lighten up. And there'll be a person standing there. And it's a safe person. It's a benevolent ancestor. It's somebody that has gone before you and that knows you. And they have a gift for you. So you take the gift, either words or something physical, however you imagine. You thank your ancestor. And if you'd like, you can ask them to be present with you on your new journey of spirituality. Thank them for the things they have been through in regards to religion. And you say goodbye. And take a couple deep breaths. And you can open your eyes when you're ready. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So hopefully that brings us all the gift that uh, helps us to move forward with whatever this journey is for us. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for for being on and for sharing um, sharing your story. That's a it's a it's a um, really interesting story both your personal story but also the whole lineage of <laughs> of this yes. kind of I mean, it is i mean it's really fascinating that the whole lineage of of um kind of being kicked out or burned or, or all of this and how it's gone through yeah. um the storyline so thank you for being willing yeah. to share this with us and i look forward to talking thank with you, you so again much. soon oh actually how can people reach you oh um, 828 by phone or, or text, I mean, by call or text, 828-577-6333 or email at rituals4healing at gmail.com and the four is a number, rituals4healing at gmail.com and on Facebook at Ancestral Clearing with Kelly Hatfield or at rituals4healing. All right. Well, thank you very much. And if you've missed all of those or don't have a pen, you can always go to 
uh, conversationsfromtheedge.net, and you can find Kelly there and get her contact information down there. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, we will be thank talking you. again soon. All right, sounds great. This is your host, Christine Madeira. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation from the edge of consciousness. You can find all our conversations at conversationsfromtheedge.net. You'll also find links to schedule a private conversation with me or any of my friends, as well as tools to help you expand your own consciousness and explore what's possible for you outside the boundaries of your current perceptions. Feel free to use this podcast to start your own conversation by sharing it with friends, on social media, in your blog, or even in your own podcast. And as always, live the adventure of pushing your own edge. It's the most amazing adventure there is.